you can see a forest fire and it's burning uh, square miles of, of the forest here in the pine tree state but to see a bush that is burning and it's not consumed now that's different and Moses said I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt and he thought this is a marvelous thing my God does many marvelous things on the on the keychain that I normally carry for the last 20 some years I have old faithful guys who are on one side of it it's like a coin old faithful guys who are on one side and the largest log cabin in the world old faithful Lynn on the back side my God made old faithful geyser and I dressed up with an elk skin coat with a coonskin cap and I uh, stood out there where there's 5,000 people waiting to see old faithful geyser erupt and I spoke so that maybe a thousand of them could hear my voice because I didn't have a smiling sound man <laughs> and uh, so I told a thousand people that my God made that geyser. I said, the ranger won't tell you that, but my God made that geyser. Stood there and told a thousand people that. And I'm coming out past the bleachers where these, uh, all these people, uh, people are in front of me. And there's a man and a woman and they were lying in wait for me. Man, they were ready to get me. And the woman said, I thought it was supposed to be about science. I said, I've been a science teacher for 43 years. And her husband thought I was lying through my teeth. <laughs> he said, yeah, and I'm a nuclear physicist too. <laughs> but no, I told them not just about the science of a geyser. And my, by the way, uh, how many of you have been to Thunder Hole? Raise your hand if you've been to Thunder Hole. How many of you know what Thunder Hole is? How many of you have ever been to Maine? Raise your hand. Okay, good, okay. Well, we went there yesterday, and, and my daughter said, it's just like the geysers. It's just like Old Faithful. Only it's not hot, steamy water, uh, and it's shooting up in the air. But Old Faithful Geyser goes up 180 feet in the air, and you try that at Thunder Hole. <laughs> and uh, so it's an amazing thing. Our God is amazing. And uh, what an amazing thing that, that Moses was able to look over there and see a, fire, a, a bush that was on fire, but it was not consumed. Well, what's the lesson then? <laughs> when Moses was in the desert and turned aside to watch the burning bush, he found that God made it to glow, but it did not burn up. It was not consumed. And the Mackenzie clan motto is glowing, but never burning. I'm going to ask uh, Rebecca to get her auto harp. They can see us better if we go up here. I think they can. And put that over here. I will switch. Okay, so we're up here where you can see us. I played a piano accordion this morning. I have 15 accordions. I have five different kinds. You play them five different ways. Where's the piano player? May I see your hand, please? Okay. Uh, if I had her come up here and play this button accordion, she'd look at all these buttons and say, I have no idea what to do. I imagine she would unless she plays a button accordion. I have a three-row Slovenian-style button box accordion. And if you know how to play that, you won't know how to play this. If you know how to play this, that doesn't mean you know how to play the other one. This has a short set of bellows. The three-row Slovenian-style button box accordion has bellows that go out to here. The other accordion, you play it by going in, 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 
out, 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 out. This one, you play it by going in, out, in, in, out, 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 in, 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 out, 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 or something like that. I don't even know what I'm doing. Uh, but you can only go this far. You can't go way out here. Now, if you come out this far and if the next note is an out note, too bad. You're at the end. And if you go in and if the next note is an in note, too bad. You're at the end. You can't go in any further. Every note on this button accordion. Sound man, am I okay? <coughs> um, every note on this accordion is either an in note or an out note. If I press one button here and squeeze the bellows, I get one note. If I pull out on the bellows, same button, I get a different note. Now it's the same way over here with a bass note. In, I get one note. Out, I get a different note. Same way with the chords. So here comes a chord going in. And I, same button, I go on the out, going out, I get a different chord. Now this is like if the piano player would go up there to the piano, and every time she breathes in, all the notes are in the right place. Every time she exhales, they switch the notes on her. So try that. Now, you just, if you were here last hour, you saw Zeb. And I claim that to be a ventriloquist, you have to be schizophrenic. Uh, I claim that there are times that my puppet will say things to me and I do not know what he's going to say. I don't have a set script. He just chats with me and I chat with him. And uh, if you go, go away saying Brother Manka talks to himself, go right ahead and say that. <laughs> I've worked at doing that. <laughs> uh, and so when I play this accordion, I have to go in, out, in, in, out, 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 in, in, or whatever it is, because some notes are in notes and other notes are out notes, and I don't really know which is which. I just do it. Well, then on the other hand, the same brain has to tell my lungs this. Listen now. In, out. In, out. And truthfully, when I learned to play the button accordion, my lungs would go in, in, out, out, in, in, out, 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 in, in. <laughs> and you're not supposed to do that when you breathe. And so my brain has to tell my lungs to go in and out, in and out, in and out, and then tell my hands to go in, in, out, 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 in, in to play, what are we doing? Leaning on the everlasting arms. So when we're all done and we're in F, hopefully it's going to sound like leaning on the everlasting arms. She has the introduction. I can relax.
<coughs> well, I said that I had a little fella here, and uh, he came out last hour. We have 30-some puppets, but everybody likes Zeb, so we like to have him come out. And uh, I told last hour that when we got him, he was four years old. And the next year, how old was he? And the next year, how old was he? That's right. He flunked five, 32 times. He's still five years old. But his name is Zeb. And let's all say, hey, Zeb, come on out. Ready? Hey, Zeb, come on out. Hi there, everybody. Hi, Zeb. Ha, some of them moved. Yeah, they were all down here in the front, lots of the kids and all. Ha, where'd they go? Well, they're here. They're different places. And uh, they want to hear what you have to say. So you have a story for us? I do this time. Okay, well, good. I'm glad that you do. What's your story? Well, it's a story about the Oregon Trail again. Oh, that's right. We had the Oregon Trail this morning and how they were going with the, the oxen and the Conestoga wagons. That's right. They came from Conestoga Creek, Pennsylvania. That's right. We had a camp near there, and uh, they made wagons there, and they went out west, and, and it took them... Six months to go halfway across the country. That's right, going to Oregon. And so what do you want to tell us? Well, you see, they started in, in St. Joe. <laughs> yeah, St. Joseph, Missouri. And they started on the Oregon Trail, and they were heading west. And then what? Well, they went across, they went across part of, uh, of, uh, of Kansas. That's right, they did. And they got into Nebraska. Yeah, they did. That's exactly right. And then what? Well, I want to tell a story about one special thing that they would have seen on the Oregon Trail. Okay, good. What did they see? They saw a tree. Uh, Zeb? What? <laughs> Here, all these people looking at us, and they're waiting for an exciting story. And you mean to tell me that the, the, the whole gist of the story is that they saw a tree? Yeah. But Zeb... This is the pine tree state. I know, they have lots of trees. They have millions and millions and millions of trees. Why are you telling these people from the pine tree state that going out west they saw a tree? It was the only tree for 200 miles. Oh, well now that's different. Can you imagine uh, traveling from here to, to Callis and back and... Uh, or halfway back, and in that distance you only see one tree? That would be different. It sure would be. That's right. You know, uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming was there. They, they made Cheyenne because it was the end of track on the Union Pacific Railroad, and they made Laramie County there. And when they made that in Wyoming, w Laramie County had 11 trees. Yeah, they had a lot. <laughs> well, compared to this one tree you're talking about, they sure did. So what happened? Well, you see... And the diaries of these ladies that were going on the Oregon Trail, they'd write down while their husbands were driving, they'd write down what they did that day. Okay. And they passed a lot of graves, and it was very sad. Oh, yeah. A lot of people died of cholera and other things, accidents and all, uh, on the Oregon Trail, and they had a lot of graves there. Yeah. And then, and then they'd say how far they went each day. Mm -hmm. They might go 15 miles. Or 20. Well, if they were doing a good job, they went 20. They might only go 10 or 12 miles on a, in, a, in a day. Yeah, and then all these different ladies on different wagons, different times, they wrote down that they passed a tree. <laughs> well, okay. <coughs> they passed a tree. All right. It was called the Lone Tree. Well, yeah, it's the Lone Tree because it stood there all by itself. There wasn't another tree in sight. Yeah, and when they got there, sometimes they'd walk over to the tree. Why would they do that? Pick up sticks. Well, we're not playing games. No, what are you talking about, pick up sticks? Well, they, they would get a twig from the tree, 
because they hadn't seen a tree in weeks. You can imagine going out west and going 15 miles a day and you hadn't seen a tree in weeks. And finally they saw one tree standing there by itself and they went over and picked up sticks to have a souvenir of the tree. Yeah, that's right. Well, well then what? Well, you know, it's like these people right here. What do you mean like these people? You, you don't mean to tell me that they're like trees. Well, but, but they could be the only person in their family that's saved. Oh. So the lone tree was just one tree all by itself. And it could be that there's somebody here and there's nobody else in their house that is saved and they're the lone Christian in their tree. Uh, not in their tree, but in their house. Their tree house? No, no not really. In their house. Uh, I see. And, and so then they ought to be like that lone tree that was on the Oregon Trail. Yeah, they ought to stand for God. Oh, that tree would stand. Oh, it, it would really stand. Uh, they have winds out there on the prairies. It, it blows away half the flag. Yeah, sometimes there's only half a flag flying on the flagpole because they have so much wind. And uh, it blows all the time, it seems. And, and here's that tree. It's standing there in spite of the wind. Yeah, and it stood there in spite of the snow. Yeah, with snow on the branches. And maybe some of the twigs or branches would fall, but the tree was still there. Years and years and years. That's right. It, it was. And then when there's ice, it's still there. That's right. There would be ice on the branches, and the wind would blow, and maybe break off some branches, but the tree still stood. And if there was a prairie fire, that tree was still there after the fire. That's true. And, you know, you might be the only person on your ball team that is saved. But live for God. Live for God. Stand for him. That's right. You might be the only person in your classroom at school that, that's saved and on their way to heaven. But stand for God. Stand for God. Just like that tree. Just like the tree. That's right. And then... You know, it might be some other place and you're the only Christian. You go to the barber shop and everybody else is sitting there telling bad stories or using foul language or something. And you come in and you say something good about God and then they realize you're a Christian. And all of a sudden, what they say at the barber shop maybe is, uh, isn't so bad anymore. Yeah, because you did the right thing and stood like that tree stood. That's right. Well, you know, Zeb. What? It was just a story about one tree. Yeah. But it had a, a good lesson. Well, good. I'm glad it did. <laughs> yeah. Now can I sit with a pastor's wife? No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't go sit with a pastor's wife. I have to go back in the pulpit? Yes, you do. And look at your knees. Well, I don't care if you look at my knees or not. But yes, you do need to go back into the pulpit and behave. Oh, that's the hard part. Yeah, behaving. But I'm going to miss these people. Mm -hmm. They're like friends now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're going to have to go about noon. Yeah, we will. But I, I, I don't want to end. We end. I'll never end. And that's sad. Yes. Maybe. But uh, we, we do have to leave. But, but I'm, oh. oh, Zeb. Come on now, Zeb. You, you tough, tough it out. Be a man. I'm just a kid. No, oh, come on. Come on. Now, you, 
you just you just say goodbye to all these nice people. Yeah, they're so nice. I like that's why it, that's why it's so sad to leave because they're so nice. Yes, well, but you just say goodbye to everybody. I don't know their names. No, you don't have to know their names. You just say goodbye, everybody. Do I have to? You have to. Bye, everybody. But I'd rather stay. I miss them already. Oh, be quiet. Gonna ask Rebecca to come up and we're gonna sing a song for you. I like to preach about Old Testament saints. And uh, even more than that, I like to preach about the God of the Old Testament saints. And even more than that, I like to write a hymn about the God of the Old Testament saints. And so this hymn is entitled The God of Daniel. God spared Daniel from the hand of the king. He allowed Daniel to praise and sing. God had a purpose to keep himself pure. Daniel trusted God to help him endure. Tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Tremble and fear before the Lord our God. He is the living God and steadfast forever. Tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Tremble and fear before the Lord our God. Daniel demanded not to have his own way. He only requested a change that day. God allowed Daniel to please his Lord. He allowed Daniel to obey God's word. Tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Tremble and fear before the Lord our God. He is the living God and steadfast forever. He is sovereign and he faileth never. Tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Tremble and fear before the Lord our God. Daniel kept praying, he was not fooled. He knelt and prayed against man's rule. God kept him safe in the lion's den. God honored Daniel before all men. Tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Tremble and fear before the Lord our God. He is the living God and steadfast forever. Sovereign and he faileth never. Tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Tremble and fear before the Lord our God. Yesterday was September 11th, and 20 years before that, at 8.44, we were having chapel. It was a Tuesday, just like any other chapel. And uh, I was up in front, and I put on a coonskin cap, and I had a trap that a friend of mine from West Virginia had given to me, an old coon trap. And I set it up on something, and I had a stick, and I went around with a trap set. 
I, I tripped the, the uh, trap and it snapped on the stick and I held it up to show that wicked and evil men are trying to trap us. Wicked and evil men want to harm you. Well, we didn't know it, uh, but as I was doing that and walking up to the platform at 844 and turning to John 844, talking about Satan who is wicked and wants to harm us, you of your father the devil, John 844, and it was 844 a.m. And just at that moment, one plane went into the first tower. And then I preached a sermon about wicked and evil men want to harm us, and we had no idea how the Lord was going to ingrain that into our memory. And as I stepped down from the platform, as I just did here, the second plane went into the second tower. It was September 11th. And I will never forget. None of us will. But I'll never forget that coon trap, wicked and evil men uh, wanting to trap us. I just sent a picture of that coon trap to uh, 200 pastors last night looking for meetings. And... Uh, we uh, got together at our school. We found out what was happening. One plane was flying. We didn't know what was going to happen with it. And it crashed 70 miles from our school uh, in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. It could have landed on our school. It could have killed us. And we uh, prayed. And it, it bothered me. I teach history. I've taught history for 32 years. I teach about World War II, the Civil War, the Revolutionary War. And I teach about uh, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who fought for our freedom and gave their lives, but the difference was it was September 11th that happened during my lifetime on our soil. And one plane crashed 70 miles from where I was standing. It could have landed on me. And to the thought of those poor people at the top of the Twin Towers, what would you do? When I was a kid, there were two old black and white movies. One was American, one was British. I don't mean the colored version that has, I understand, inappropriate things in it from the 90s. I'm talking about things that were done in the 1940s, and I'd watch an old black and white TV, the Titanic, sinking in those movies about the Titanic. And I used to think, oh, what would I do? I was just a kid. What would I do? And I thought, oh, I'd grab some of the chairs, the deck chairs, and see if I could find a rope and lash them together and then have something that would float. Problem is, in about 20 minutes, I'd have been frozen to death in that water. I still wouldn't have survived. What would I do if I was up in the Twin Towers and those poor people, you think of those poor people and those bodies falling, people who jumped, they had no hope. How horrible, how terribly horrible. We have a video at home that has actors and uh, tells the story. And uh, I've never watched the whole video. I can't watch it. We started to watch and we quit. And then years later, we started to watch again and we quit. It was just too terrorizing. To, to see. But many years, I've carried this helmet. I have three helmets. I have complete outfits. Tell stories about drama. I, I went to Bar Harbor yesterday, and as we passed uh, Belfast, I told my family, there's a bookstore in somebody's backyard. There's a, they have a shed back there, and they sell used books. And I bought a book there before September 11th, I believe. Uh, before 20 years ago, it was like 21, 22 years ago, I stopped there and I bought a book about firemen and what they do for us. And so I carry this helmet and I put it usually on the piano and every now and then I just take the helmet and put it on and I have a, well, I'm going to give you my, my opinion for a minute, if I may. I'm announcing this is my opinion. I've been telling you scripture. This is my opinion. 
My opinion is that if you take your average beer drinking, going to a bar, volunteer fireman, or maybe paid fireman, doesn't go to church, tell stories we wouldn't listen to, maybe uses language we wouldn't listen to. If there's a fire, my opinion is I believe he would go in there and try to rescue the perishing. That's his job. He's trained to do that. He has the equipment to try to do that. And he may give his life. That's my opinion, that I think the average fireman would do that. Everything else I've told you, the spiritual is from the Bible. But on a Thursday night, let's say, or Saturday morning or sometime when a church has visitation, oh, the church believes in soul winning. Oh, the pastor preaches it. But how many people show up? The pastor, and maybe two or three others, maybe the average Baptist church. We believe in it, but by our actions, do we prove it? See, I believe a fireman is going to go into the fire to rescue the perishing. But I also know that a Christian ought to be there for soul winning, or be soul winning sometime throughout the week, telling others about Christ so that they might be saved from the fires of hell. All right, kids, this is your time. If you would come up here, you can sing a song. I've got a ukulele, and we'll sing with it. So some on one side, some on the other. This is for you. How about a couple of you get over here, and I'll feel balanced. Well, some on one side, some on the other. Come on, get over here. Maybe one of you, somebody else over that side. All right, here we go. And uh, running over. Do you know that song? And Rebecca's going to help you with the motions. It goes like this. Do it with me. Ready? Running over, running over. My cup is full. Can you see me? Oh, you're looking at her. We'll do the motions. My cup is full and running over. Since the Lord saved me, I'm as happy as can be. My cup is full and running over. Give it a try, okay? Can't do that. Do watermelon. Here we go. Running over, running over, my cup is full and running over. Since the Lord saved me, I'm as happy as can be. My cup is full and running over. All right, give him a hand. Good job. Thank you. Go back to your seat. They tell me that that clock is five minutes slow. So I have to add five minutes here somehow. All rise. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. This court is now in session. If anyone comes forward, they can and shall be heard.
God save the court of this county and the state of Maine. You may be seated. This is a court. This is a serious thing uh, to be uh, grave and serious in front of the judge. Until Lincoln gives the order. During the Civil War, a young soldier was condemned to be executed. His father came to the executive mansion to beg for a pardon for his son. The president explained that he had received a telegram from General Butler which read, President Lincoln, I pray you not to interfere with the courts martial of the army. You will destroy all discipline among our soldiers. In spite of that telegram, Lincoln wrote a note and handed it to the prisoner's father. It read, Job Smith is not to be shot until further orders from me, Abraham Lincoln. But the father was still sad. He had hoped that the president had written a pardon for his son. Mr. Smith realized that Lincoln could at any time order the execution of his son. Lincoln informed the man that he, that is the man, did not know the disposition of the commander-in-chief. Notice this now. As long as Lincoln lives, he will not order the death of Smith's son. Jesus has secured a pardon for us with his Father. We are saved as long as God is still on the throne. He will not let us die the second death in the lake of fire. God will never die. And we are saved forever. We know the disposition of our judge. Thirteen years ago, I was seeking for a real judge's robe. I wanted the real thing. And in northern Indiana, somebody was able to contact the judge, and he said, yes, I have an extra a robe in my closet that I would give to this evangelist. And every service, almost without fail, for 13 years, summer and winter, I have worn this robe to let people know that someday we will stand before the judge of all mankind. That is a serious thing. But as long as God is on the throne, I am saved, and I will be in heaven as long as there is a God, and he is eternal. In Psalm 145, verse 13, the Bible says, My kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy kingdom endureth throughout all generations. Uh, I should have started with thy kingdom, about God's kingdom. Psalm 146, and verse 10, the Bible says, the Lord shall reign forever, even my God, O Zion, unto all generations. Lamentations, chapter 5 and verse 19. Thou, O Lord, remainest forever, thy throne from generation to generation. John, chapter 3 and verse 15 says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I am saved as long as God is still on the throne. And my friends, God will always be on the throne. Pastor has graciously allowed us to uh, have our books and CDs back there. We don't have all of them, but I have written 24, 27 books, and some of them are back there. 
Uh, I have written four, no, 800 essays, but most of those are not in books. But I do have three books of essays. This is book number three about essays. It's called God and Country. And here I am in a uh, Yankee uh, colonel uniform at the Mason-Dixon line in Pennsylvania with a sword in, a, in front of a church. The pastor's wife used to be my student decades ago. This is a collection of short essays about America, the Bible, and spiritual lessons. And um, if you're interested in reading things, uh, like here's about Lincoln, with malice toward none and with charity for all, that comes from Lincoln's second inaugural address. Uh, and here is September 11th. Uh, years ago, it says, Brother Manka, and for this picture, leading his entire school in a September 11th flag service, all the students and faculty have joined in holding one of Brother Manka's 20-foot U.S. flags, and I had several of those. Uh, at the, they're 24 feet long. The whole school gathered around the flag. Uh, on the left is a World War II veteran friend from the USS New Jersey, and below, uh, Brother Dan with Bill Bauer, uh, the pilot of plane number 12 in Doolittle's raid, bombing Japan. After they bombed Pearl Harbor, he and his men went with Jimmy Doolittle, and they bombed the Japanese. And I've interviewed eight of Jimmy Doolittle's 80 men. And then I've written 400 poems, I have 13 books of poetry. This is poetry book number thir number 11. Uh, they used to call me Cowboy Dan. I'd go out and work in Yellowstone for three years and have uh, western boots like I have on right now and wear my western hat. They didn't know what to do with me back east, so they called me Cowboy Dan. And uh, so here's the adventures of Cowboy Dan in Glacier National Park. I worked there in 1975. The, the hotel where I worked, there was a cook there. It's five stories tall. It's as long as an ocean liner. has a world-class view. This is the Continental Divide. It says a collection of Western poems about living and working in Montana in 1975 and visiting in Glacier in other years. If you have a friend who is not saved, uh, if you were to buy this book, if he's interested in hunting or camping or hiking, and you, you gave him this book, it has spiritual things in it. And he would want to read about the mountains and the amazing things that are in here. As a matter of fact, it has in here in a poem, I have, this has my epic poem of like 48 stanzas of four verses each. And one of the poems in here talks about waterfalls that fall up instead of down. Matter of fact, I have that right here. Come with me. And it talks about read about waterfalls that fell up into the sky. And it really happened. I have it on video. And uh, you can read about it here. Uh, and if you give this to somebody who's not saved, they'll read about the mountains and hiking in the beautiful mountains that God had made at what's called the crown of the continent. There's a mountain there called Triple Divide Peak. It's one of two places on the planet where water drains to three oceans. It's called Triple Divide Peak because there's three divides there. Did you know that North America has three continental divides, not counting the eastern one? It has three continental divides where water goes to three different oceans. And uh, we have CDs back there. I wrote all the words and music on this. It's called I'll Be a Missionary. It talks about being a missionary right in your own hometown. And here I am at a Veterans Day parade passing out tracts that I wrote and at a Christmas parade dressed like those at the Battle of the Bulge in the snow passing out tracts that I had written in my own hometown doing that. And then here are four daughters. They call them the Manka Bells. We play bells, chimes, handbells, and uh, bells like a southern bell. Uh, people have referred to them as the Manka Bells. And it's the four sisters with similar voices singing in harmony. And uh, there's no set price back there. We do everything by faith. We come by faith. We don't charge anything. People give us a love offering. 
Uh, Rebecca doesn't get a love offering. Uh, we, um, we, we travel by faith and we offer those CDs and we don't have a set price. It's just how much of a blessing you want to be to help Rebecca to be on the road in evangelism. The books, we come by faith. We don't say that it costs a certain amount, but you know, how much would you want to be a blessing to her to help her to go this winter without her um, salary from school? The school is closed. She doesn't have a paycheck, and she doesn't get a love offering. But what comes in on for that table back there goes to her, and that helps with some of what she needs to be able to travel with us. I appreciate uh, your pastor inviting us to come, and I know I need to move along quickly here. I'm going to ask you to turn to Ezra chapter 9 and verse 6. Ezra chapter 9 and verse 6. I have to move along because it's time. I have to move along because your clock is slow, I understand. I have to move along because we have to go to another church and I have to preach in a little bit. <laughs> uh, but if you stand out of respect for God's word, we'll look at Ezra chapter 9 and verse 6. And uh, it says there, and said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespasses grown up unto the heavens. And so he's admitting that he has sinned against God. And the message is entitled Dealing with Sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God that tells us that we're sinners. We're born with a sinful nature and then we sin against you. Lord, I pray that there's somebody here that's not saved. Oh, I pray that you'd save them. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to say quickly, and first of all, I have sinned. Would you say it with me? I have sinned. And so we need to admit to God that we have sinned. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, our Lord, standing in the need of prayer, as the old Negro spiritual says. I have sinned against God. It says our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass has grown up under the heavens. What's the problem if you go into that quicksand that I talked about last hour and the oxen go down into the quicksand along the Platte River near Fort Kearney there where that lone tree is there and in, in, uh, was in, uh, in Nebraska. And uh, the, the oxen goes underneath the quicksand and it drowns. The, the quicksand is over his head. And uh, so we are over our head in our sins. My iniquities are increased over my head and my trespasses grown up under the heavens. David admitted his sin. He said, I have sinned greatly. In Second Samuel, he said, I have sinned and have done wrong, wickedly. The prodigal son admitted his sin in Luke chapter 15. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. So first of all, I have sinned. Secondly, I have offended a holy God. Say it with me. I have offended a holy God. It's not just, well, I sin and and I'm just on my own island by myself. This uh, Frank back here, he, uh, he says that his grandfather, <coughs> was it a grandfather? Was on, great-grandfather was on Ram Island. I've seen that. I've videoed it. I've, I've taken photographs of it from uh, Ocean Point, I believe, uh, down near Booth Bay. And been there different years to see that island. His great-grandfather was on that island. And you might think, okay, I did something I shouldn't have done. But nobody was here to see me. And, and I'm all by myself on this island. What difference does it make? God sees us. If we sin on the back 40, if we sin up there, we, we started up Mount Katahdin years ago. If we're up there on the knife edge at Mount Katahdin, if, if we're uh, out there on some island on one of those, beyond one of the peninsulas, uh, God sees us. Uh, if we're out there in the dark, if we're in our bedroom, if we're under the covers of our bed, if we're in our closet, if we're out behind the barn, God sees us, and we offend a holy God if we sin. Our trespass has grown up under the heavens. We have 
trespassed, uh, crossing the line, transgressed by crossing the line. Well, then, thirdly, I'm ashamed. Americans are not ashamed much anymore. A lot of people ought to be ashamed at, at, at how they dress at Walmart. And a lot of people ought to be ashamed at how they undress other places. And uh, we're not ashamed. We don't blush. It says here in verse 6, oh, and said, Oh, my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. There are times when I need to go back to somebody. I can't stand it. I have to go back and admit, I'm sorry, I was mean to you. I did the wrong thing. Would you forgive me? I've got to call him on the phone and, and admit I did the wrong thing. I have to apologize because I'm ashamed. Well, then thirdly, I have transgressed, but God is merciful. If you weren't here last hour, I showed a picture of mercy. That's hard to have, a picture of mercy, but I've got one. Got it right down there in my briefcase. I showed it this morning. I have transgressed, but God is merciful. Our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, some people are unforgiving. Some people show no mercy. I went out to California, and six of us were in a station wagon, and we didn't have enough room for a musical instrument, so I bought a pitch pipe. It's in that briefcase over there. The only musical instrument I took for six and a half weeks for, for 8,000 miles was a, a pitch pipe. Didn't have enough room for, for a musical instrument. And I went to see about getting my headlight fixed, and I bought a headlight at an at a auto parts store, and I had to have a star tool to install it on my station wagon. I didn't have a star tool. I didn't even know what, what one was. So I went in there, and I asked about it, and I, I would have to pay for it to take it out the door. I understand that. I could steal it. I could go away with it. Okay, I understand that. So I paid for it, had my receipt, went out, I unscrewed the screws, I put the, their headlight on my car, I used their tool that I paid for, just put the screws back in, I came back with my receipt to get a refund, and the man, and the lady said, you have to see the manager, okay, we'll go see the manager. He knew ahead of time what I was doing. I didn't damage any packaging or anything like that, it was just, here's a tool by itself. I'm bringing it back, here's the receipt, they know I bought it to put their headlight on my, my car. And he was going to give me his money, my money back. And then he changed his mind, and I still, to this day, that was 1997, I still don't know why he changed his mind. He said, no, I'm not going to let you return that. Walmart would take it back without a receipt. He wasn't going to let me get my money back. He knew exactly why I took that tool out there. He wouldn't give me my money back. And I'm thinking, back home, I have a pastor who is merciful. He would tear up a demerit slip if he thought there was uh, some question about it. And he wouldn't let the student have demerits. He'd tear up the demerit slip. And this guy made me pay for a tool that I've used once since then. And I had to put it in my station wagon with four kids, with two tents, six sleeping bags, and carry that thing 3,000 miles back home. Unmerciful. God is merciful. I put on that judge's robe. And I was uh, in my, I took my students every other year or so to the, I take them to the courtroom uh, to see the judge. And I have a piece of paper in that briefcase over there that says that they find Donnell Lee guilty of murder in the first degree, but they request that the judge show him mercy. In my hometown, in my county. But then I went to Maine. I was up here in Maine. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Went to Michigan, up here in Michigan. And not near the sun, but over here. And I went to a courtroom there, and I asked the lady who had worked there in that courtroom for 20 years, I said, have you ever known anyone to throw themselves at the mercy of the court? She said, no. I said, have you ever known the, the judge to show mercy to someone? She said, no. 
And I'm here to tell you that if I ever have to stand before a judge, I do not want to do it in Michigan. I want to do it in my county, Marion County, West Virginia, where they might show me mercy. My God showed me mercy. The blind man begged to Jesus, have mercy on us, thou son of David. God has shown mercy to Dan Macca. Because of my sin, I deserve, according to the Bible, to be cast into hell and death and hell into the lake of fire to burn forever. And my God showed me mercy. And that's why I'm not at home sitting on my front porch. I'm 67 years old. I could have retired two years ago. I've taught 45 years. I've taught thousands of students. I could sit on my porch, get my banjo, or just sit there and twiddle my thumbs. I don't have to go from place to place and have no place to, to, to sleep but what the, the Lord gives me a, a place. And God gave us a beautiful long cabin for five days, <laughs> five nights. I don't have to go from place to place and preach the word of God. I don't have to go and play the ukulele and have the kids come up and share songs with them. But I do have to because God has showed me mercy. And I need to go and proclaim to others that God is a merciful God. Won't you come to him and be saved? Come to this God of mercy and ask for forgiveness. He will forgive you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the merciful God that you are. Lord, I pray that you save a soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.